We've seen as many as five running backs play for Oregon football this year. We might expect that again this coming weekend against Washington State. And who could some potential breakout players be on offense and on defense? Here we go. You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm your host, Spencer McLaughlin, D1 play-by-play broadcaster and lifelong Oregon Ducks fan. Thanks for making this your first listen or your first view of the day if you're watching on YouTube. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks, which is why, if you haven't already, please continue to like, comment, subscribe, wherever you're listening to or watching the show. Love the engagement on YouTube. Love the subscription numbers on podcasts and especially on YouTube as well. We got over 1,000 recently, and we just keep shooting up, and I am very grateful to all of you out there. I'm also grateful because this episode is brought to you by Bet Bet BetOnline has you covered the season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online is where the game starts. We've seen more running backs through the first few games than I can ever remember regularly seeing the rotation. The the most that I can even uh, compare it to is maybe the Michael Kenyon Legarrette Blunt teams because you had Crenshaw in there getting some run occasionally, a sprinkle of Remine Alston. But really, it was just those three when Blunt was actually there and Crenshaw was number three. But we've never seen more than three. But Oregon has four backs that they, that they've been playing regularly. And then because Byron Cardwell was out, we saw Jordan James get a bunch of run and look really good, by the way, as a true freshman. A couple of true freshmen getting playing time. Jalil Florence is playing. Uh, Koika Rogers, I believe, has uh, been in the game in 2022 offensive line recruit. But I want to talk about the running backs. And we start with Bucky Irving, who I, I think unquestionably is Oregon's number one. And I'm okay with that. You should be okay with that. And I'm also okay with this whole running back by committee thing. When we talk about players in the offseason, there is a tendency, and I feel this way too, right? And this is going to come into play later with a different position group that, that'll get to. But when we talk about these guys and we see the untapped potential, I think, and I come from a culture that played NCAA football a lot growing up, you want to see them maximize their offensive skill potential in the box score. And just because you don't always get that on an individual level doesn't mean you aren't getting a lot of production out of a given player. And and Bucky Irving, 14 carries for 97 yards last week against BYU, was outstanding. And what I like about him is his balance. And he's... You know, maybe not the greatest pass catcher in the world, though I think he's he's getting better in that sense. He does a lot of things well. Number one, he's a mixture of C.J. Verdell and Travis Dye. He's got the downhill physical nature of C.J. Verdell while having a little bit of agility and quickness. I don't think he's quite as physical as Verdell or quite as shifty as Travis Dye, but I think he has a lot of those combo traits. And you know the other thing I like about him a lot, and go back and watch the first offensive play last week so you can see what I'm talking about. Bucky Irving wants to do whatever the team needs him to do. And if that means he's a lead blocker on a play, he's going to go try and put a DB on his rear end. He's going to go and pop somebody. He's going to stay in and protect his quarterback if that's what is asked of him. And I think that's part of the reason he has garnered 
the number one running back role, but it's not a traditional lead running back slot, right? There's not a lot of two back sets that we've seen, right? Like Michael and Kenyon or uh, Kenyon and DeAnthony back in the day. We haven't seen that. It's clearly not a part of the offense. These are all one back sets. And so these guys are getting run as the only running back on the field. And so when you're talking about a guy who's a number one in an offense where you only play one at a time, I mean, Bucky Irving, I don't think Oregon's had a running back that's had 20 carries in a game this year. That's a pretty incredible stat for a team that's running the ball as effectively as Oregon is. And they ran it very well last week against BYU. They ran it well against Georgia, but they've been doing it with all sorts of different guys. And I think it's having us mentally in this space of like, well, it's got to be one guy. It's got to, you know, go to this guy. I don't think that's true. I'm okay with what we're seeing. I really am because it's working. Isn't that what we want at the end of the day? I don't care if it's Bucky Irving or Noah Whittington or Sean Dollars or Byron Cardwell. And you could look at any of these guys and say, I don't think he's you know, getting the maximum amount of output he could as a football player. That's probably true for all of them, including Bucky Irving. I mean, he could run for 130 a game if you gave him 20, 25 carries. Based on what we've seen so far with how the offensive line is playing, that seems to 100% be the case. But I don't need that to be the case. It's fun to see guys go for those sorts of yards, and it's easy to fall in love with guys like that. A Royce Freeman, Thomas Tyner, Michael James, Jonathan Stewart. Go back through all the great running backs Oregon has had over the last couple of decades. But at the end of the day, I need the running game to be a perennial threat week in and week out, and I need it to be effective. And so far, they've been rotating these guys in just like a revolving door, and it's worked. And I am totally good with it. And I think Bucky Irving has done a lot of really good things. I think Whittington stylistically is very similar to Bucky Irving. He's maybe a little bit more of a between the tackles guy. He's kind of got that bowling ball look to him and he's you know a physical runner. Dan Lanning's defensive head coach. Those guys want to run the ball and very rarely do they want to do it DeAnthony Thomas style, just run around the edge and then step out of bounds, right? They want to be more of that LeGarrette Blunt, Royce Freeman, Thomas Tyner mold, come downhill, CJ Verdell style, punch you in the mouth. I think that's part of the reason Irving and Whittington are seeing kind of the the bulk of the carries relative to the other guys so far in the bulk of the touches. I mean, it's it's scheme and play dependent for sure, but you're seeing those two because that's what these coaches clearly want to establish, and I think they're the most physical uh, of the running backs that Oregon's gotten there. That's why Jordan James had more carries and touches last week than Sean Dollars. I think Dollars is probably the best all-around athlete of this group. I'd like to see him be more involved, but again, if he has a minimal role going forward, then you know what he's capable of. As long as it's effective, I, I can't sit here and say you should be doing it another way. In Oregon right now, I think what we're seeing at both the running back and wide receiver positions, they, they kind of have an embarrassment of riches right now. Like The fact that you could have four running backs who I could put back there as a number one and give the ball 20 times a game and feel confident in how he's going to run the football is a really good thing to be able to say, heck, I'm not so sure we don't have five that I feel that way about. I saw Jordan James pick up a couple crucial fourth downs. I've seen him run hard between the tackles. He's got nice balance. He's got a low center of gravity. He's shifty. He looks pretty darn good. And I think we're going to see all these sorts of guys as the season goes on. And it'll be a hot hand situation, but it'll also be 
a play calling and stylistic situation, right? In terms of who's on the field in in a given offensive package. Because Sean Dollars only had, I think, one touch for, for just three yards, a run between the tackles against BYU. I think he can do that. But is he as good at getting that extra yard or two in a short yardage as a Bucky Irving or Noah Whittington? Probably not. But which guy do I think is the most explosive of the group? It's Sean Dollars. So like his acceleration is better than any of the five. And I think that's why primarily what we've seen is he's been Oregon's kind of primary third down passing back because he's got good hands and he accelerates and operates very well in space. Part of the reason I think we didn't see a lot of him last week is because the game flow didn't dictate it. Remember, Bo Nix didn't throw the ball a lot. Bo Nix only had 12 completions in the game. It was for 222 yards, which a season ago was not something that we saw very much of, which is why it was really encouraging to see chunk plays to guys like Maliki Matavau or Troy Franklin or Terrence Ferguson throughout the course of the game. But I think if Oregon has to end up throwing the ball more, which they might because this is a stingy front seven for Washington State, then you might see more of Sean Dollars in an effort to get him involved in the passing game. I've got a couple more thoughts on uh, the running backs, and then I'll get to breakout players on offensive or on the offense and on the defense going into this week. Guys who could be poised for a really big showing who we know were good and have been solid this year, but might be able to take another leap forward just because it's another opportunity to do so. But first, I want to remind you, if you're trying to get more energy for all the guys out there to counter the negative effects of aging, Nugenics Total T Testosterone Booster with Testafin will help you turn back the clock, re-energize your workouts, get you better results at the gym, and help you look and feel like the man you really want to be. Nogenics Total Tea continue, contains man-boosting key ingredients like testophen. It's been validated in five clinical studies shown to, shown to boost free testosterone levels in men. While every product professes quality, many other products use generic ingredients that are often far less than clinical grade. That's not what you're getting with Nugenics Total Tea. You can get a complimentary bottle of Nugenics Total Tea when you text college to 231231. Text now, get a bottle of Nugenics Thermo, the most powerful fat incinerator ever with key ingredients to help you get back into shape fast, absolutely free. All you have to do, text college 231231 to get your free bottle today. That's college to 231231. All these different running backs have, you know, unique traits to them. I think Cardwell is the most patient with the best vision. I think Irving's the most well-rounded. I think Whittington is the most physical. I think Dollars is the most explosive. And I think James is kind of the shiftiest after Irving, perhaps. And, you know, he's just a guy that if that's your number five, number five running back, when have we ever talked about who Oregon's number five running back is? And the fact that I feel confident giving him the ball and I don't know what he is in pass catching situations. He's probably a little underdeveloped at that point at this point in time, but guess what? That's okay because I've got two running backs and Byron Cardwell should be back this week. I've got two guys who I knew if I throw it to are going to be able to make plays in space and be a part of the passing game. That being Sean dollars and and Byron Cardwell. So I I think we're going to continue to see all these guys. I won't be surprised if Jordan James gets some more carries. I mean, When you convert a couple of fourth downs and run the way he did, I I don't know how you don't earn more playing time if you're if you're Carlos Lachlan, Dan Landing, the offensive staff watching the the true freshman. And I know other guys are talented in there, but it's all just situation dependent. And I I think that that versatility 
is definitely a plus for Kenny Dillingham and this offense to be able to have where they can say, we have a number of guys who we're confident in that we can turn to in a given situation and feel you know, optimistic about what they're going to present. Um, I, I really loved on that swing route to Chris Hudson that that block that Bucky Irving threw. It was just it was awesome. And the blocking from receivers got a lot better last week compared to to previous weeks. And man, that's a big part of the offense. If you're going to run the ball, you have to have wide receivers who are willing to block. Chase Coda, he's a veteran. He does that. Hudson gets after it. Uh, there are guys out there who are willing to block on uh, the edge. Let's get to offensive players who who might be poised for a, a breakout this week. And, you know, so far, Bo Nix's top targets have been Troy Franklin, Chase Coda, Terrence Ferguson. I don't think that should surprise anybody. I don't think any of that should concern anybody either that other guys are not as involved because much like with the running back situation, I just look and go, man, you got a lot of mouths that you're trying to feed here and there's just an abundance of talent. <laughs> there really is. I mean, Coda is a proven wide receiver in the Pac-12 and he's been exactly, I mean exactly what I was hoping he would be. Not someone who's going to take the cover off the top of the defense but someone who is going to be extremely reliable, run good routes, make smart reads against zone coverage, and be a safety blanket for, for Bo Nix in situations in that you know kind of 1 to 15-yard range within the line of scrimmage. He's been great, I think. Really, really liking that transfer addition. Troy Franklin, we're all hoping he'd make a sophomore year leap because of the potential he showed. Man, that catch down in the red zone to set up a touchdown – that's a big time play. Uh, I mean, that he's made some good catches in his career, and he's such a fluid, long, dynamic athlete that it shouldn't be a surprise to see him run the sort of route he did on that particular play. But man, he just makes it look easy out there. He's a long strider, but he, he's got some agility. He's a good route runner. He's been catching the ball. That snag he made going up the seam from Bo Nix, I thought was an underrated catch. It was a little behind him, but it had to be because it was a tight window and you know, Bo Nix was keeping it out of the middle of the defense and he juggled it a little, made the catch. He's just been absolutely awesome. And then my boy, Terrence Ferguson, who I'm going to continue to profess is an NFL caliber tight end. He's a great receiver. And I've long said on the show that Matavao is the better blocker of the two, which he is. But that shouldn't make you think that Terrence Ferguson is not a really good blocker because I was going back and watching that BYU game and Ferguson will turn guys around, Right. The player whose responsibility is to set the edge a number of times. Ferguson setting up those Bucky Irving cutback or bounce to the outside runs because he's just turning his guy back inside. That is a big physical dude who was a wide receiver primarily in high school and is making that transition seamlessly. And all he does is catch touchdowns back to back week with a pair of touchdowns. If you had that prop bet, uh, courtesy of our friends at Bet Online, if it was out there, you made a lot of money. But I tell you what, he is a great target in the red zone. He's got soft hands, but he's hard to get on the ground. You know, I, I talked about how after the Eastern Washington game, he, you know, might not have scored on that first touchdown because, well, he was just kind of out-athleting the guys. But he raised it up a level because against BYU, they couldn't get him on the ground either. <laughs> like, he's catching the ball near the end zone. They're coming over and they're popping him, and he's just staying up. He's just like, was that, that all you got? Is it, was, was that the hit? And I, I love watching him play, man. He He's another one of those team first guys. He and Matavau, that is that is a dynamic pair. And then you bring in Cam McCormick and Patrick Herbert. Like, talk about a ridiculously talented room. Like, what 
skill position group does Oregon not have ridiculous depth at offensively? Because receiver is about to talk about has a couple of guys who are poised to potentially break out or are capable of doing so at, at some point. Tight end, you go four deep, and your top two might be NFL players, both of them. At least one of them, I think, is. And Montevall very easily could be. Uh, he could grow into one. I think he has to be a little bit better with his route running going forward. But the receivers have got a bunch of bodies to where we're asking, like, why isn't this guy more involved or that guy? Five running backs. I, I mean, it, it's just the offense looks really good. And, and I can't wait to see on a weekly basis, you know, who emerges because – Another couple guys who who could be breakout candidates this week at the wide receiver position, Dante Thornton, Chris Hudson, who who relative to their overall potential have been quiet this season. But I don't think it's a negative in a significant way. It is in that you'd like to see those guys get involved because you know they can make plays. But what about the Oregon offense? Take out the Georgia game hasn't been what we were hoping for pushing the ball down the field, running the ball effectively. Bo Nix is facilitating the ball as well as he can. He had 12 completions to eight different receivers. And still you look around and go, boy, Chris Hudson's not involved. Where's Seven McGee? And they're struggling to get those two, I think, involved in executing those kind of gadget plays or jet sweeps. They did it really well to Chris Hudson on the first play, but McGee has you know, struggled to find space so far here in 2022. I think right now, because Hudson is also there, I, I, I'm not going to be surprised if Seven McGee, you know, has a, a breakout game. But so far, it just hasn't looked like a seamless fit or, or a seamless transition to this point. We should definitely give it time because I think he is your best jet sweep guy, and we haven't really shown that as a look offensively. But it's one you certainly could go for. But Dante Thornton is a really physically gifted player, and you know, Franklin has got good size, but Thornton is a couple inches taller. He is a long, long strider. And look, Bo Nix is going wherever the ball needs to go. And, and that's what I want to see from, from my quarterback. But the reason I think Thornton or Hudson could be in line for a breakout performance this week is that when you're facilitating the ball around, eventually everyone's going to have a really good game. So for the last couple of weeks, it's been Troy Franklin. It's been Terrence Ferguson. But maybe Washington State, with a good defensive head coach like Jake Dickert, is going to look at number 11, number three, and say, gee whiz, I want to take those two guys away. Well, that leaves opportunities available for someone else to step up. And could that be Thornton? Could that be Hudson? Yeah, they're definitely capable. We saw that from Chris Hudson at the end of last year. He was Anthony Brown's go-to target there in uh, the game formerly known as the Civil War against the Beavs. He played well in the Alamo Bowl. We saw Thornton with big catches in the Alamo Bowl. Like These guys have the potential to to break out for you know four catches for 70 yards and a touchdown or two I won't be surprised if one of them has the those sorts of numbers what about defensively where could you see breakout players on the defensive side of the ball this week in Pullman for the Ducks I'll tell you that after I tell you about our friends at bet online your number one source for football betting information this season find all the latest player developments team matchups news podcasts and in-depth articles and analysis on every game you can find. As always, Bet Online remains your continued source for all your sports wagering information with live betting and up to the minute scores for every sport out there. The fastest is fastest and easiest way to check in on all your favorite games and events, including Major League Baseball. Go Mariners, who, as I'm recording this right now, can't hit the ball. Kind of a problem. MMA, boxing, my personal favorite, golf. Can't wait for the President's Cup this week, too. This is dropping the morning that the President's Cup begins. I promise you, I am watching as you listen to it if you're listening Thursday morning. Head to betonline.net dot net or use your mobile device to learn more bet online is where the game starts
So we'll close with potential defensive standouts here on uh, on the show today. And I, I think there are three names to watch. Number one, Justin Flo. And going into last week, he was Oregon's leading tackler. And I still am waiting for that big breakout game in 2022. Because I think what he showed in the Fresno State game a season ago is what he's capable of on a week-to-week basis. But so far, have you ever watched a game this season, as in the three that Oregon has played, and felt like Justin Flo was dominating defensively or was a central component of what Oregon was doing defensively? No, because he didn't play against BYU. Maybe he would have been more involved because Keith Brown was in on a lot of plays. LaDuke played pretty well. Jeffrey Bossa played awesome. Another guy I've been high on for the last couple months here on the show. I think Justin Flo in this game, because of what Washington State brings to the table offensively, which is not solely an air raid, right? That is not what they do anymore. They still will throw the ball plenty with, with a quarterback who's accustomed to doing so from his time at the FCS level, but he's yet to hit, yet to hit 300 yards in the air this season. Jake Dickert's defensive head coach. He wants to run the ball more than Mike Leach did or Nick Rolovich did when he was the head coach with with the run and shoot. So. I think that's a chance for Noah Sewell and Justin Flo to be more involved. And if Flo is healthy, I think Dan Lang's going to try to get him involved as a pass rusher, put some pressure on Cam Ward. I think this is a game where Justin Flo, the, the, the style of play you're going to see on the other side, could allow him to really have one of those games where you go, man, that guy might be the best defensive player on, on the field. Two more potential defensive names to, to keep an eye on here uh, as, as the Ducks get ready to play the Cougs, where they're six-and-a-half-point favorite at, at the moment. I don't like Oregon on, on, on that side. I feel pretty confident going into this game because of how the defense played and uh, the multitude of ways that the offense has shown to be able to move the football. But that Washington State defense, that fan base is going to be fired up. Washington State's defense is not to be messed around with. They have got some really good players. PFF had one of their linebackers, whose name is eluding me right now, as their highest graded in the country over uh, the last week or two. And Ron Stone Jr. coming off the edge, that guy's a beast. Offensive line is going to have their hands full blocking number 10. He is really, really good. Hopefully, Washington State has their hands full blocking DJ Johnson, who I thought played really well. He didn't have a sack. He didn't have that many quarterback pressures or was in in those sorts of situations. But I talked about on yesterday's show, he had an outstanding game against the run. I I mean, he was set in the edge. He drew a holding penalty. That was the only time that that anyone got outside of him, really. And he was set in the edge. He was physical. He was flying around. He showed the physical traits that make him an NFL caliber player, but he's got to match it with the production. And I think we're all waiting for that game where he breaks out and is – you know, putting pressure on the quarterback consistently has a sack or two and maybe a tackle for loss. Will it be this game? Washington state lost a couple of starters from a season ago. Their offensive line is, I wouldn't say a glaring weakness, but it's not as much of a strength as it has been in in previous years. I'd say, and if Dan Lanning can dial up some pressures to get guys like Justin Flo or DJ Johnson, some runs at cam ward, That'd be beneficial for Oregon's defense. But, you know, part of getting pressure on a quarterback, at some point in time, guys just have to win in 1v1 situations. At at some point, DJ Johnson or Mace Funa or Brandon Dorless or Casey Rogers or Braden Swinson, at some point, one of these guys is going to have to be able 
to just beat the other the, the guy that's lining up across from him in a one v one one v one and get back to the quarterback to make a sack. That that's how you're gonna have Oregon, you know, be able to get some pressure. Sure, you can dial it up every now and then, but at some point a guy's got to be able to go out there and make a play. And, and I wonder if DJ Johnson can 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 build off his strong performance from a week ago and translate that into pass rush success in addition to how strong he was against the run a, a week ago against BYU. And finally, on the back end, secondary, legitimate question mark. Everybody will be watching the number two corner slot. Will it be Triquez Bridges again? Will we see more Dante Manning? How much run will Jaleel Florence get? We'll just have to see. Also, good for Jaleel Florence coming in and as a true freshman, having himself third on the depth chart at, at the number two corner slot. That is pretty darn impressive and a testament to the sort of player he could potentially be for Oregon. But we got to deal with the player he is right now, which is not someone who's ready to be a high-level defensive back in, in the Pac-12 at this point in time. But I'm watching for Steve Stevens because he's been on the field a lot this year. And during his career at Oregon, he's had some good moments. He's had other moments where he's looked a, a little slow, a little bit you know, out of position at times. But I thought he had a solid game last week. And I know that because I didn't see a lot from him. And that's the best thing you can say about defensive backs is you don't see a lot from him unless it's a Christian Gonzalez situation where he makes a couple of pass breakups. But then after that, because he was playing well, we didn't hear from him again. Because Jaron Hall decided, yeah, I'm just not going to throw it number zero. I don't have a guy on the field right now that can beat Gonzo in a one-on-one, -on -one, so I'm going to throw it the other side of the field. But Oregon did not allow a big play over the top. And that's a BYU offense that's capable of doing that with an NFL quarterback and Jaron Hall. And the safeties deserve some credit for that, which was my biggest question mark in the secondary coming in, even more so in the number two corner slot. And Steve Stevens, Brian Addison, Jamal Hill, Bennett Williams, all guys who are out there on the back end of that defense, I hope they can get an interception because Cam Ward has you know, been mildly turnover prone this year. If the Ducks can create a little pressure, opportunities will be there if they can go out and make a play. And I, I, I think Stevens is going to be a guy who makes a big play at some point in this game. Just a gut feeling. Just a gut feeling. Could be a pass breakup. Could be a tackle in space. Could be an interception. But one of the three. DJ Johnson, Justin Flo, Steve Stevens, biggest potential breakout players this week for the Ducks up in Pullman against the Kooks. Appreciate everyone listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day and go Ducks.